Happy Mother's Day to all of you. Thank you. A kid said to his dad, what is a man, dad? His dad said, a man is someone who's responsible and takes care of their family. The kid said, wow, I sure hope I can be a man just like my mom one day. <laughs> I thought it was funny. Once upon a time, I was a perfect parent, and then I had children. The end. Right? Parenthood is wanting to be with your kid forever one minute and tempted to sell them the next. Every time I say no, my kid hears, ask her again. She didn't understand the question. The moment of panic when your child is babbling on and you're not really listening, so you say, yeah, and then they get, dis they get excited and disappear. You have no idea what you agreed to. Finally, a mother's promise is, I am not your friend, I am your parent. I will stalk you, flip out on you, lecture you, drive you insane, sometimes be your worst nightmare and hunt you down when needed because I love you. When you understand that, I will know you are a responsible adult. You will never find someone who loves, cares, and worries about you more than me, and that is my promise to you. And that is truly the heart of a mother. Sometimes we do, sometimes I do flip out every now and then. I like to tell myself it's necessary. <laughs> so today we celebrate the women in our lives who have been there for us and stood in the gap for us. Maybe you're not a natural mother, but you are a mother. And it just comes naturally, um, it comes naturally to women. Uh, Mariah and I were talking about that not long ago. You know, remember when I had Caleb, my first child, I wasn't, I didn't really grow up around a lot of kids. Um, I didn't really like kids unless they were my friend's kids. And that was about it. And I didn't really see children. So when I had Caleb, I had no idea what I was doing. And, you know, those things just come natural. There are things, everybody says, you know, I'm so worried. What am I going to do? You know what? You're going to do just fine. Because God created you that way. And when you become a mom, it's all there. And so today we celebrate, we celebrate women in our lives who have listened to us and have been there with us over the long haul of life. They support and motivate us to be better women. So you may not be an earthly mom today, but if you're a person like that, we honor and we celebrate you today. And we celebrate all the mothers and all the mothers of our church and all you important women this morning. So one thing about being a mom is it's easy to become a master collector. Anybody know what I'm talking about? My husband does not need to say amen. <laughs> you want to collect, especially that first child, you know, you want to collect like everything because everything is special. Literally, everything is special. The pacifier, it doesn't matter. I'm going to stick it in a box. Um, you know, the little card on the, on the birth thing in the hospital that tells all about it. Found, I found one of my kids, one of those yesterday. Um, it's just easy as a mom. You just become a collector. You collect the first little haircut from your little boy, here's a little patch of hair. Um, some people kind of go overboard, okay? Some people collect maybe the first tooth, okay? Some people go overboard. So we were in Ohio, uh, not Ohio, Michigan last year, and my awesome mother-in-law was pulling out all of her collections from my husband when he was little, and I, I thought it was pretty cool. So she had all of his glasses from the time he was like two years old, little tiny glasses. But she brings out this box, and she says, I don't know if you want these, but, you know, here they are. And it's a box full of all of his teeth. 
He was like, what in the world, my teeth? She had collected all of his baby teeth and still had them some 50 years later. But as a mom, we can get in those things. And you know, there's lots of pictures, you know, we talked about that, you know, the first child, there's a million videos, there's a million pictures, the second child, there's less, the third child, there's even less, and then the baby, you know you're done, and so then they have a ton. And that's just kind of the way it, the way it works out. Um, pictures, notes, Mother's Day cards. I have a whole box full of Mother's Day cards. Uh, blankets. I have one or two bins of old kid blankets that my kids had when they were younger. And I can't bear to separate myself from them. I'm not a hoarder. I just like to collect. But there's, um, there's something about collecting. Most people in life like to collect something. There's many reasons people collect. Um, some people, they like to learn about things, so they collect them like coins or something like that. They learn about them, then they look for them, and they collect them. Um, some like to keep memories alive or to connect to their history, so they keep things. Um, I found that that's true. People that I've lost in my life, if I have one thing that's theirs, it doesn't matter what it is. I'm not going to get rid of it. <laughs> we found this week he was cleaning out the shed, and I have this old, rickety, small little ladder. I don't even know what it was used for. It's got to be ancient. But it was my mom's. And so it goes from shed to shed to shed, and it probably will until I die, because it's my mom's. Now, I know that my mom could care less if I kept that little ladder. She wouldn't care, but it means something to me. So you collect those things. Some collect uh, because they love the pleasure and enjoyment of being part of a community, like people that collect old cars. You know, you know right in town on Thursdays, they used to have the, all the old cars were parked at Dairy Queen or in the Caribou parking lot, and people would come and go. Some people really like that. Um, some mostly collect just because they like the thrill of the hunt. American Pickers, anybody know who they are? The thrill of the hunt. They're going all over the nation to collect things. But I don't remember my mom being much of a collector. She might have been, I just don't remember. Um, I have some pictures, but really not a lot of keepsakes from my early childhood. But one thing she did collect was spoons. This is my trusty collection of spoons that I know nothing to do with. I don't know what to do with them. So they also go from shed to shed, but I will not part with them. They were my mom's special collection. And everywhere she went, she would buy a spoon. It didn't matter if it was Duluth. I mean, she lived in Duluth, but I'm sure there's a Duluth spoon in here. Everywhere she went had a story. She's got all the different, all the different states, Here's one for um, Jerusalem, when she went to Jerusalem, um, Canada, Flin Flon. All of these, all of, some of these spoons have memories. Flin Flon. I distinctly remember when I was a child fishing in Flin Flon. And when I found that spoon yesterday, I thought, oh, Flin Flon. And that just brought back all those memories, especially on fishing opener. You know, something, I told my husband yesterday, something about fishing opener still just like, I don't really want to be out there. I just have great memories of fishing opener. But my mom collected spoons, and they all meant something to her. And because of that, they had stories attached to them. And some of them I know, some of them I don't know. But now they mean something to me because they belong to her. So sometimes collecting things is, is of value. In fact, they say that it's good for your health. Okay? I remember these hanging in our dining room in our old house on Nanacoke Street in Duluth with spoon racks. I had the spoon racks. I don't know what happened to them, but they just took up like the whole wall. We had all these spoons hung. She would buy them everywhere she went. 
They each have a story. Collecting has been found to be good for your mental and overall health. There's many reasons for this. They say that it's hard to beat the excitement you come up when you find that prized piece for your collection. You've been looking everywhere. Collections often remind people of happy times. Most times we don't collect things that remind us of sad times. Thank God. Many collectors tell you that they collect certain items just because it makes them happy. The happier you are, the healthier you are. Research done at Harvard says that happy people who have positive perspective are less likely to develop illnesses. You could talk about that all day long. There's all kinds of collections, okay? There's tangible collections and there's intangible collections. So today I want to talk about the most important and special collections. Did you know that even God is a collector? I'm sure he collects a lot of things, but in Psalms 56, it says in the NLT, you keep track of all my sorrows. You have collected all my tears in your bottle. You have recorded each one in your book. That's a beautiful scripture. David was in a dark place when he wrote this psalm. He'd been captured by the Philistines, and he was, life wasn't great. Have you ever been there? Life's not always great. Life sometimes is just hard, and our pain, sadness, and grief, and maybe just the troubles of life sometimes are so severe that, especially as women, I would say, we just want to cry. And how many times we, I say, you know, it's okay to have a pity party, you just can't let it last very long. But David comforts himself in his distress and his fear that God noticed all those grievances and all of his griefs. Some comments say that there's an allusion here to the custom of collecting tears. I had a picture of a tear bottle. I forgot to load it, but shed in the time of calamity and sorrow, and they would preserve them in a small bottle, or they called them a, a lacrimatory. That's a big word for you. Too big for me. As a memorial of grief. So a lot of times they would collect the mourner's tears, and they would bury it with the person as loyalty. And so he's, he's kind of doing a word picture here, and he says that God is keeping his tears in a bottle. What he's really saying is that God is, he's not, he's not overlooking them, he actually sees them. You know, the Bible says that every hair on your head is numbered. That's like beyond my imagination. But it's one of these things. God notices the little things. He's using this word picture referring to the fact that God remembers all of your sorrows, all of your pains, all of your griefs. He remembers every single tear that we shed, and he won't forget that. All those tears, all those tears that we shed, he keeps them in a, not a technical bottle, but in a, in a sense, he keeps hold of them. He writes them in a book. He won't forget them. He knows where you are. He knows exactly what you feel. He's, re, he's reflecting on God's love and compassion. He knows the pain, the sorrow, even the depression, all those things that cause us to cry. Lots of things cause us to cry. You can be comforted today in knowing that your pain, whatever it is, he understands. In Psalms, another place David wrote, God is my helper, and he is our helper. The concept of God collecting our tears implies that no hurt, grief, fear, or even stress is too little for God. The Bible says to cast all your cares in 1 Peter, casting all your cares. In the Amplified, it says, all your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns, once and for all, casting them on him. For he cares about you, and it doesn't stop there, with deepest affection, and he watches over you very carefully. 
He sees you. He knows what you're going through. What a powerful thing that the almighty God would care so much about every little tear. And sometimes, sometimes they're dumb tears. You know, sometimes I really shouldn't be crying, and I'm crying. Stupid. But he sees those, and he doesn't necessarily feel like it's stupid. He just knows, and he, and he feels that. In Psalms 103, in the New King James, it says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. And then it goes, it has a colon. I was going to stop there, and then I saw the colon. Who forgives all your iniquities who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction. Anybody had their life redeemed from destruction? Who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. That's a beautiful scripture. Forget not, forget not all his benefits. Our memory is a powerful tool. Forget not, forget not. And it's, that's in the Bible, I don't know, some 300 to 500 times where it's either saying remember this or God remembered or forget not. It just, it's over and over again. It's a, it's a thread that goes throughout the Bible. But memory is the fabric of our soul. It makes you who you are. I was thinking about this morning, what if you had no memory of anything? It's true. So all of your memories play into the tapestry of your life of who you are, things that happen to you even play good things and bad things, play into who you become. Well, if you could never remember any of those things, you'd just be a blob, maybe. I don't know. Memory houses our joys, our hurts, and all of life's lessons. It keeps loved ones alive in our hearts, even when they're gone. Memories are intangible collections. They bring us back to a certain place or time, and often bring us back to certain feelings. Have you ever smelled like the cologne that your husband wore when you were dating? Doesn't matter where you are in the world, if you have that smell, you're going to be like, boom, you're back there right now. Um, same thing with perfumes. Um, different things can jog memories, which is why in grief sometimes it's so hard because the smallest thing will just jog a memory that causes you to grieve. Um, they bring us back to a certain place in time. If you see a picture, a lot of times a picture will bring you back to a certain place of time. If you hear a song, that's why we try really hard to have a variety of, of song styles in this church because if you hear it's real, that brings you all the way back to when your family came into the church. Your parents loved that song and it was the story of their life. So that song brings back those feelings which gives you faith and hope. It's, ama it's really amazing. Um, memories affect our emotions and our attitudes and memories are worth collecting. Memories are a collection, a special collection, an intangible collection. Memories help us remember the faithfulness of God. If we had no memories, we wouldn't remember those things. It would just be, you would just go on with life. Which is another wonderful collection. Collection of the faithfulness of God. How do you collect the faithfulness of God? Seems kind of weird. And my dad taught me a long time ago, you can't just say to do it. You got to tell him how to do it. So you can watch for his faithfulness. Pay attention, invite him into your life, listen to what's going on, listen to his voice. You record his faithfulness. That's where journals or photo albums or whatever they might be, a way to record God's faithfulness. And then you replay his faithfulness. 
like a tape recorder. You can back it up and play it again. And some of you don't even know what a tape recorder is, but the rest of you do. You can back it up and play it again. That's how you remember the faithfulness of God. So we have all kinds of examples of God's faithfulness. You have answered prayers. You have promises that the Lord gives you from, an, from maybe a message preached or from an, even another saint um, in your time of prayer, whatever it might be. Times of crisis that you actually survived when you maybe didn't think you would. Lessons learned. Forgivenesses. We talked about forgiveness last week and healings. When God got you out of, of a bind, sometimes we get ourselves in a bind and he's gracious enough to get us out of the bind. God's protection. Do you ever sometimes look at the sky and just say, thanks God, I know that was you. Because sometimes there's no other way that things can happen. Isaiah 46 says to remember the things that I have done in the past. Forget not his benefits. His benefits, so many benefits with God. My collection of benefits and his faithfulness, part of it is right here. I, I could have tables upon tables of collections of these because I've lived a long life now, I can say, and God has indeed been faithful. I have memories of Mariah with meningitis and B-strep in the middle of a move to a new city, All, so many new things, a young child and I asked for a B-strep test, and they told me no, and thank God they all test for that now, but they told me no, it was too expensive, and had Mariah, and the next day they said, she's sick, and I said, she has B-strep. That was the faithfulness of God, because I really had no idea she had B-strep. I wasn't that smart, but I had this intuition in me, because my sister had tested positive for B-strep, and he said, well, I don't think so, but I'll treat her. And she did indeed have B-strep, which turned into meningitis. Well, we all know that meningitis can be a very crucial and dangerous disease. And I remember those days, the side effects of both of those diseases rough, thinking, okay, God, we're doing this. You know, we're moving. We were literally in the middle of moving, really didn't have a home. We were staying wherever. I was staying with my sister. He was staying with the Dops or whoever else would take him in. It was craziness. But God was faithful, and brought us through every day. Some days were down, some days were up. Some days we don't, you know, she might have hearing issues, you know, she might, she might lose her ear. I mean, it's just, it was, it was one thing after another and most babies with B-strep back in that time died from it. It was the number one death in infants, but God was faithful. I remember God's faithfulness very clear in times of grief. Debbie, he's faithful. And in times of grief, when it, things overwhelm me, I remember he gave, when my sister suddenly died, he gave me the scripture, I will look unto the hills from whence cometh my strength. My help comes from the Lord. I don't, know, I don't know what people do without the Lord. I don't know how they stay sane. I do know how they end up. I do know why the suicide rate gets so high. Because if you don't have God, how do you even do that? God's faithfulness is very clear in those times. I remember the faithfulness of God to be able to just get up and go on. And sometimes it takes a while, but just to be able to go on and move forward. I remember God's faithfulness. We talked, I talked about this, I think, last week, but I remember God's faithfulness, Brooke. He's been really faithful. This is Brooke's boot that I testified about when she had regional pain syndrome, and it would be so horrible. This was the beginning part when they didn't even really know what it was. They thought that she just broke her foot and she wore this boot. And my husband keeps this boot in his office. It's a collection. 
It's a collection of God's faithfulness. Every time I can see her walk without being crippled, it's a testimony of God's faithfulness. She almost lost all the hearing in one of her ears around the same time, and the Lord healed her at Camp Galilee. My dad and brother Gleason prayed over her. She couldn't even sit in church because her ear hurt so bad. Mom, Mom, her ear would just, we couldn't even sit in there. We went out to the kids' tent. She couldn't sit in the kids' tent. It was so much, so much pain. Brought her up after church, and they prayed for her. And we were sitting in church that night, and she reaches up, and she pulled. She said, Mom. I said, what? She said, my ear doesn't hurt. God has been faithful. Those are my collections of God's faithfulness. These are all, you probably can't see them, but these are all four of my children when they were baptized. God's been faithful. And when I see these pictures, it brings me back. They were all in the old building. Brings me back to the old building. Brings me back to those days at the church, the things that were going on. I can look at one picture and a whole life can flash before me. That's the power of collections. That's the power of memories. And the list can go on and on. We all have our personal collection of benefits. You all do. And even our church. We have a great collection of God's benefits. Brother Latif, I remember when you were healed. Your arm. I distinctly remember that. I remember Archila. Had, I can't remember what she had wrong with her, but I remember she was very bad. She was healed. Um, Art Schwackert. I know he wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the, the faithfulness and the healing of God. Deb, that one is more recent. Deb had a, a stroke, and she was seeing double for a long t- a while. And she came to revival and came to revival and came to revival and came. It didn't happen, didn't happen, didn't happen. But one night it happened, and the Lord took that double vision and made it perfect. Those are our collections. That's our river of life collections. So many lives changed. That's one great thing about being in one place for a long time is you get to see a lot of people's lives change. That's the best part of it. Um, I think of, you know, you got the whole Parrington clan that just keeps growing and growing. Um, Olivia, I think of you and how God has just so miraculously changed your life, giving you things that you would have never had otherwise. I think of JP and Christy, how the Lord has just, I think of Brian, Pope Joy, I think of all, and I mean, the, you, I could name most of you in this room, and God has just provided a redemption and lift for you, where he redeemed you and he lifted you and gave you a life that you would have never had any other. Those are your collections. That's your collections of the faithfulness of God. You're not even the same people that you were before or that you would be. Where would you even be? Would you even be here? Probably not. I mean, how many of us in this room probably would not even be here if it wasn't that God redeemed us? Deuteronomy 28 says, Now it shall come to pass, if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord, to observe carefully all his commandments, which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you. Because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Blessed shall thou be in the city, and blessed shall you be in the country. Blessed shall be the fruit of your body, the produce of your ground, and the increase of your herds, the increase of your cattle, and the offspring of your flocks. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall be you be when you come in, and blessed shall you be when you go out. He goes on to say the opposite. If you do not obey, 
and he lists those exact same things, cursed be all these things. That's pretty heavy. It's a conditional promise. If you obey God, you're blessed. And it's really that simple. We kind of try to, we sometimes overcomplicate it, but it's really that simple. Over and over again, we find in the Bible that God blesses and rewards obedience. It's there over and over again. It's a God principle that you can count on. It's something you can see everywhere. God's principles even work outside of the walls of the church. I don't know if you've seen, but I mean, I've seen it happen. People who live biblical principles are often blessed in the area that they're obedient in. You've got some, um, some big company owners that they, for some reason, they pay tithes for, on their company. And they're tremendously blessed. They may not have full truth, but they are blessed because they are committed and they do this principle of the Bible. And you find it over and over again that anyone who obeys God's principles, most, God blesses that, in, especially in that area of their obedience. Um, when I pray for people, sometimes I pray, Lord, bless the areas of obedience, the areas that you can bless. Because God can't bless disobedience, or he won't. So there's no sense in me praying God's blessing on a disobedient part of someone's life because it goes against his word and he's not going to go against his word. So if I can pray and say, Lord, please bless what can be blessed. Bless the areas of their life that are, that are in your obedience. Obedience is God's love language. We've talked about that before in ladies' night. Um, it's how we know if we truly love God. You know, you have people that say, well, how? and I read, it wasn't that long ago. I thought, well, how do you know? I mean, I think I love God because I've always loved God. I don't have that moment when I didn't love God and all of a sudden I did love God. I always loved God. And so I remember thinking, well, how do I know if I really love God? Maybe it's just, maybe it's just life. You know, maybe I'm, this is just how I live. And it is how I live. But in John 14, it says, if you love me, keep my commandments. Short and simple. Boom. So I can look at my life and say, am I living in, in complete obedience to all the Lord has showed me? And if I am, then that's showing my love to God. The Holman Bible Dictionary says that obedience is to, is to hear in a state of submission that leads to action. So obedience and submission are intertwined. One doesn't truly exist without the other. Now you can argue that and say, well, I can obey just to obey. Well, you can, but you're not going to receive the full benefit it's still good that you obey, but if you can obey with a, with a surrendered and a submission, then you receive the full benefit of that, and that's what the Lord blesses. It's like the kid that stands, you know, I'm, stand, I'm standing in the corner, but really I'm sitting down. Well, you're standing in the corner because you don't want to get in trouble, not because you're obeying. Same, we think of the same concept. Obedi obedience is being truly submitted to God. Sometimes we think we can just go around it. Ah. Uh, that one doesn't really apply to me. So I do go to church. I'm a really good person. I give. I'm nice to people. I minister. So I'm sure that that little thing that God is showing me or I'm refusing to see probably doesn't matter because I'm all these things. It doesn't work that way. You can't be obedient and disobedient at the same time. You're either obedient or you're not. So obedience is being truly submitted. I can't get around that. It's not, it's not up for discussion. He's God. He can do that. He can determine what is acceptable and what is not. So the question is, do you obey the Lord in all things? 
And people are at different points in their life. We all know that. People are at different points in their walk with God. But God shows us all things. At the point that we are at, he shows us things. And when he does, what is my reaction? I distinctly remember working with someone that got to a certain point, And it happened to do with holiness at the time. It got to a certain point, And they decided that they were the exception to the rule. Nope, I'm not doing that because I don't want to do that. Well, that's your prerogative, and now they're nowhere to be found because that's what happens. You have to, in order to be blessed, you have to live in obedience. Even when it rubs you wrong, you know, I grew up singing that song, you are Lord of my life. It's easy to sing, harder to live. What about when he asks you for something that you're not fond of giving up? I think we should ask ourselves, is he truly the Lord of our life? Because if he's not, if he is Lord of your life, then he's allowed to change whatever he wants. But if there's little corners of my heart that are off limits, even to God, he's not my Lord. I know that's really straight, but it's really true. First John 2, and I think um, this is King James, but I'm going to read it in NLT. And, when, and we can be sure that we know him if we obey his commandments. If someone claims, I know God, but doesn't obey God's commandments, that person is a liar that's pretty blunt, and is not living in the truth. But those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. This is how we know that we're living in him. Those who say they love, live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. Disobedience is the one thing that will stand in the way of you being overtaken by blessings. So let's go back to that scripture. We were um, actually in Columbia Heights um, a month or two ago. And my husband was preaching, and he used the scripture, and it's, you know, I'm looking at it on the screen, and it's like this word just like really jumped out at me. I thought, wow, that is such a cool word. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Now, I'm sure I've listened to that on Audible. I'm sure that I've read it. But that overtake word, I just thought, wow, overtaken by blessings. I'll take that overtaken. I love that word. Over, overflowing blessings, more than you have need of. A cinnamon for overtaken is to be pursued or overhauled. <laughs> overhauled by blessings. To come upon suddenly, to catch up and pass by. I think of a runner. You got your runners, and if someone overtakes a runner, they come from, they aren't standing even with them. You can't overtake somebody that you're standing even with. So they're coming from behind, and not only are they catching up, but they're, they're sprinting ahead. They're overtaking them. Um, one of the examples that they used in the dictionary was uh, seasickness can overtake a traveler. And if you think about that, if you've ever been sick, when you're traveling, if you were to get sea, I've never been on a cruise, but if you were to get seasick, it does overtake you. I'm sure that it's the only thing you can think of. You can't eat, you can't sleep, you can't do anything. All you can do is puke. And that's, none of us like that. But I like the word picture of being overtaken by the blessings of God. God's blessings will show up in a big way as a result of your obedience. And that's one of those promises that you can hold on to. It's a, it's a collection of the blessings of God. So we see this throughout the Bible. And I don't have this on the screen, but Genesis 22, it says, and through your descendants, all of the nations of the earth will be blessed, all because you obeyed me. 
In Luke, it's in the NLT, it says, Jesus replied, but even more blessed are all who hear the word of God and put it into practice. So you might be a little bit blessed if you're doing right things in right areas, but even more blessed are you if you can hear the word and put it into practice. And that's like a, that's a daily thing. First John 5 in the New King James says, for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. In other words, God says, keep my commandments and really they're not a big deal. I'm not asking too much, especially in light of what he's given. Our personal offerings were never intended to take the place of obedience. In 1 Samuel, Samuel replied in the NLT, what is more pleasing to the Lord, your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? He says, listen, obedience is better than sacrifice and submission is better than offering the fat of rams. Rebellion is as sinful as witchcraft. That's heavy. And stubbornness, we're all a little bit of that, as bad as worshiping idols. So because you have rejected the command of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. It was serious business to God. It wasn't just a little thing. If we obey, we'll be overtaken with blessings. Blessings are another one of those collections. Sometimes they catch you by surprise. You're going about your normal routine and one rushes up and passes you by. Think about that, overtaken by blessings. The person who brought you to Jesus was maybe an unexpected blessing. It was an unexpected blessing when you stepped foot into a, into a church where you could feel Jesus. Maybe it comes as an encouraging word right when you need it, reminding you that God knows your name, he knows where you are, and is faithful, and it brings you to tears. It's an unexpected blessing. Maybe it's the exact song that comes on the radio while you're driving, and that unexpected rush of God's presence as you go about your business. Unexpected blessings. Maybe it's a text that comes just at the right moment or the person that shows up when you're totally overwhelmed. Blessings sometimes come in everyday life and can easily be overlooked. A good sale on clothes. You might not think of that as a blessing, but you might. Up here, we all pretty much think of that as a blessing. Go to the thrift store and they actually have something that fits. We've, we, over the years, we actually kind of laugh about it now, the, the amount of times that it has happened to us when we'll just say, okay, you know what, I, he'll, he'll, I really need some, some work clothes, it's been a few years, whatever, and we'll go shopping, obviously in Grand Rapids, there's not much shopping, so we'll go wherever, and I don't know how many times we'll find exactly what is needed on sale, and you can walk out with a half a closet full of clothes for the cost of a few items. That's a blessing. That's not just, I mean, yeah, you could maybe chalk it up to coincidence, but I choose not to. Those are unexpected blessings. Your tires last longer. He talked about that a few weeks ago. He actually keeps track of how many miles are on his tires, and they just, he prayed, and I mean, it just kept going. I mean, eventually we did replace the tires, but they didn't like fall off the car or anything. Who knows how long they would have lasted. I see it as a blessing. It's a blessing. Mariah has two pieces of furniture in her house that is a distinct, unexpected blessing. 
she found, she had this dining room table that she fell in love with. I don't even know where it was from, but, and it wasn't like horribly expensive, but it was expensive to her more than she could afford to pay or wanted to pay. And she just got, I love this table so much. And would you know, and I, I doubt that she even prayed about it, but God must have heard her because lo and behold, on Marketplace comes this exact table that she wants for a fair price. She was so excited. And it wasn't that much longer. She has a piece in her living room that was the same thing. This one was from Target. I love that piece. It would go perfect in my living room. But it's excellent. I don't remember how much it was. It's just too much. And I, there again, I don't think she prayed about it. But it wasn't very long. And Marketplace comes up with her exact piece of furniture. That's an unexpected blessing. But you have to watch for them or they're easy to miss. Sometimes we just think, oh, you know, whatever. I, I remember growing up, if something would happen and we'd get stalled somewhere or, you know, took too long somewhere. And sometimes, and it's happened to us a few times, you get out on the road and you see an accident, maybe that just happened. That's an unexpected blessing that you were stuck. Um, this past winter that happened to me, I went down to pick up my sister and it was, this winter had some pretty rough roads. And I was coming back from the cities, and I'm a pretty confident driver in the winter, but not on ice. And I was on 35, and it was icy. And we stopped, and it took us forever. Forever. My niece had run in the store, and it took her forever, and I was getting aggravated. I'm like, I just want to get home. You know, a round trip to the cities in one day is enough. And she was in there like an hour, and I was like, oh, my goodness. And it wasn't long. We got right on the highway, and it wasn't very long. That You know how you feel when that ice hits, and you're like, oh, I just might be gliding right now. So I slowed, I did slow down and there was traffic way up ahead and I was kind of by myself, thank God. But I came up, I saw the brake lights and when I went to hit my brakes to slow down for the brake lights, it was glare, it was just ice. And so of course you pray, Jesus, Jesus, you pump your brakes, you pump your brakes, I'm coming up on these cars. It was fine, but there was like three accidents within a half a mile that one of them was flipped. I mean, major, major accidents. And I just, I felt like my mom at that moment. I just said, thank you, Jesus, for that hour. Because I could have been right in the middle of that. Unexpected blessings. You just have to look for them because they're there. The little things that we just think are life are many times blessings. So many blessings. We have blessings of second chances, third chances, fourth chances. Blessings of God's creation, the beauty of God's creation, and being able to see them. Blessings of good weather. I mean, honestly, that's one of the things about living up here. When it gets spring, you appreciate it. Those people down south, they just don't even have an appreciation for good weather. They just always have good weather. The blessing of comfort during grief, I talked about that. The ability to grieve and to move forward. The blessing of peace in the midst of a storm. Lots of storms. And the blessing of having peace. Sometimes we take that for granted. I take that for granted because that's all I've ever known. I've never known not having the peace of God, and I take that for granted, but I'm so thankful for peace. The blessing of freedom to worship. Amen? That's why you choose to worship. It's a choice. Your worship is a direct outlet of, of your level of gratitude. And yeah, I had to get on worship a little bit. Uh, the blessing of God's no in our life. Sometimes it doesn't feel like a blessing, but then you look back and you're like, whoa, thank you, Lord. Because sometimes he can give us our desires to the detriment of our soul. If we ask hard enough, the Bible says that. Sometimes he'll give it to us. 
But sometimes he just, uh, if we trust him fully and we go, by, go with him and obey him, he'll just say, nope. And sometimes we can be like, but God, you know, why not? Why not? I remember a long time ago, all I wanted was a little tiny sliver of, of water. Because when my kids were little, I always wanted to take them swimming. And of course, I wouldn't take them to the beach. And so I had nowhere to take them swimming. And so I just got this. I had a friend that has a little piece of property in uh, Alexandria that would let me and the kids go there and play. And so I got this thing in my head that I really wanted this little sliver. It just needed to be big enough to park a boat so that I could have a little bit of water. And we had found one up on, uh, up on the river. And it fell through at the last minute. And I thought, really? Oh. I was so incredibly disappointed, really disappointed. And I had looked around, and I was like, uh, there's not going to be nothing else. I can't afford any of that stuff. There's not going to be nothing else. And wouldn't you know, it wasn't, I don't know, a year or two. And we just kind of fell upon a piece of property that had been for sale for six years. And the Lord blessed us with it. And most of you know, I live on a lake. That's an unexpected blessing. And every single day, I thank God for that because I can look out my window and be like, wow, that's really cool. I wanted this much and you gave me this much. It's amazing. And I know that that's the blessing of the Lord. So your collection of God's benefits. We also have uh, the blessing of provision and peace, healthy relationships, an incredible church family. Do you realize how blessed we are to have this church? I know many of you probably haven't traveled much, but there's a lot of churches that don't have what we have. We have peace. We have joy. We love each other, almost like unanimously. And it's amazing. It's a wonderful church family to be part of. That's a blessing, huge blessing. His faithfulness and his unending blessings are some of the most valuable collections that you can have. Finally, in closing, Psalms 23 is one of the most uplifting and inspirational psalms that David wrote. In verse 8, it says, He prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. He anoints my head with oil, speaking of God refreshing David. And then he says, My cup runneth over. So what does that mean? Obviously, I could have had a cup. Oh, I forgot this picture. This is one of our blessings. I stole, it, I stole all this out of my husband's office, so I guess these are more his than mine, but we share. He has, a, he has lots of these, but this is a picture of when we came to Grand Rapids. I don't know if you can see it. I should have put it up on the screen, but it's that little white church in the middle of the snow, and that's what it looked like when we came, and that sits on his shelf because it's God's faithfulness. It's God's blessings. And I couldn't take all of his pictures, but I did grab this one. This is a picture, and most of you can probably see this because it's kind of big. This is a picture of the old building, and this is one of our revivals. I assume it was not long before we moved in this building, but I don't know when it was. But it was on a day that obviously we were packed out, and we were so excited that we, put, that we had that many people there. And so this, this picture is up on his wall as a remembrance Remember when we had the dunk tank? Anybody remember that? We did a little, we did a little contest. And I, I don't remember what the number was, but I don't even think we were totally in this building yet. I don't remember. But we had the dunk tank out here, and Pastor said he would go in if we reached a certain number. I don't remember what it was. 
I think it was less than that. 200? 100. I thought it was 170. Anyway, it was a number, and we did reach it, and he went in the dunk tank. But those are memories. This is memories. This is where we came from, even as a church. So in Psalms 23, he's talking about, he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. David had a lot of enemies throughout his life. But he said, my cup runs over. So obviously, I was going to have a cup that runs over, and then I thought, well, that's kind of basic. We all know what a cup that runs over looks like. He said, my cup runneth over. He's a great word picture guy. He does all these word pictures, but he says, my cup runneth over. In other words, it's not just full. It's running over. It's, it's dripping all over the place. It's dripping into people around me. Uh, my cup is running over. The overarching theme of Psalms 23 is that God is good. God is faithful. He's generous. And the great shepherd takes real good care of his sheep. And we can be confident in that. By the time David wrote this psalm, he had experienced a lot of life. Enough to have seen God take care of him over and over again, even despite his own mistakes. David wasn't a perfect man. We all know that. He made some really, really big mistakes. But when it comes down to it, he was a man that was in pursuit of God's heart. And he had lived enough to say, my cup runs over. He establishes the point that the shepherd is with us, even in our lowest points of our lives, through the valley of the shadow of death. Psalms 23 is a beautiful chapter to actually study. It's a, it's a year in the life of a sheep. But sometimes, and it's not always necessarily death, it doesn't necessarily mean the shadow of death as in dying, but it's those shadowy times when we may feel like we're dying the valley of the shadow of death. Sometimes life really puts us low. And it, yet it says that he is my shepherd. He guides me. He leads me. God's blessings are not just intended for your life. They're intended to spill out. They're intended to spill out upon your children. They're intended to spill out upon your husband. They're intended to spill out upon your life. They're intended to spill out to those who know you. Those blessings, the cup should run over. It's representative of God's presence, his protection, his provision, his anointing, his power, all those benefits that we have. God had seen the evidence of God. That's a great song. I've seen the evidence. David had seen the evidence all over his life. From his low points to his mountaintops, he knew that God was faithful. And in the end, he said, my cup runs over. A cup runs over when it can't hold all that's being poured into it. It's just too much. So what's in your cup this morning? Is it filled with trials, tribulations, worries, fears? Sometimes we do come to church with those things. I remember going through a time of horrible fear. You bring it to church, what else are you going to do with it? But when you bring it here, you got to empty your cup of those things so that he can pour into your cup the things that really matter and the things that will sustain you. Is there room for him to overflow your cup or do you need to empty it first? We talked about forgiveness last week. Forgiveness will fill your cup and it'll turn to bitterness and it'll fill it full and there won't be any room for anything else. So do you need to empty it out and let him fill it? How do you look at the cup of your life? Is it running over? Or is it full of stuff 
and empty stuff that nothing that doesn't really matter. He said, my cup runs over. It's the little things, it's the little steps that the Lord blesses, the little steps of obedience, no matter how small they are, moving ahead. It's his benefits, it's his faithfulness, it's his blessings. Those are the collections in life that really matter. Who do you see when you see yourself? Camille Passaro said, blessed are those who see beautiful things in humble places where other people see nothing. We hear the term all the time, you can look at a glass as half full or half empty, it's true. I mean, it's kind of cliche, but it's true. Counting your blessings will help you to endure troubled times and remember the good things in life because you can count your sorrows and they also will overfill your cup. You can count your trials and they will overflow your cup. But if you can give them, cast your care on him because he cares deeply for you. If you can empty the cup so that he can fill it completely to overflowing, your life will be happier. Counting your blessings help you to endure troubled times. It'll help you to remember the good things. It's not happy people who are grateful. I'm gonna say that again. It's not happy people who are grateful. It's grateful people who are happy. Gratefulness is something if you never learn it, you will never be happy because life will throw you plenty of things that will keep it. But you can be grateful in the, in the worst of circumstances. There's always someone worse off than you and there's always something worse that could be happening. Counting your blessings will help you to endure the troubled times. Sometimes the clearest view of God is in the fire or the trials of life. We grow, we learn, and we draw from our collection of God's benefits, his faithfulness, and his blessings. And that is what will overflow our cup. Your cup will be overflowed so that people around you, it moves us to respond to our world in hope rather than fear. Let's all stand. Having a full cup will fuel your love for others. It will make you effective in the kingdom of God. So I wonder this morning if we could just come around the front and just, let's just sing for a little bit and think about the goodness of God, the collections of God's benefits, his blessings, his faithfulness. And let's ask him to fill us to overflowing so that we, we, we pour out in our city, we pour out on our job, we pour out in our school. Thank you, Jesus, for your faithfulness.